0: From Sacramento, the Bishop's Radio Hour with Bob Dunning on Relevant Radio, focusing on today's issues in the context of gospel values. Now, here's Bob.
1: That's me. Welcome to you on this beautiful day the Lord has made. appreciate you all being with us on the Bishop's Hour. This is indeed the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And we're pleased to welcome in uh, uh, John Harriet from uh, Ignatius Press. I'm uh, John. How are you doing? we're pleased to welcome in John Herriot from Ignatius Press. Uh John, good day to you. Hi, thanks for having me, Bob. Thanks thanks very much for uh for joining us. Uh I'm looking at this beautiful uh book, The Catholic Home Gallery, 18 Works of Art by Contemporary Catholic Artists. Now 18 pages, you think you could flip through it pretty fast, but the, every every illustration is just beautiful and really uh thought provoking and and uh, very moving
2: yeah i I'm, i was hoping the variety in there would really you know you would end up stopping and, and you know there's kind of a shift from artist to artist that, that really is it makes it so you never really get like oh this is all too too same or anything
1: yeah they they're 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 very very different yeah they're they're tremendous how well, take us back a little bit uh um what the 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 thinking about putting this together how this came about
2: well i'm uh, kind of an avid collector of old art books uh, as a graphic designer they're always great to look at for for getting inspiration for your own work and i
1: You do other things for Ignatius?
2: I'm their catalog manager, so if you get our catalog, those are my work, and I also mm-hmm. do a, a, a lot of the book covers and I do some illustration work.
1: Wow, this is. <laughs> tell us a little bit about your background.
2: Um, well, my background, I'm, I'm uh, the product of Catholic homeschooling. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been working at Ignatius Press since 2000, uh, and I do some, you know. Illustration artwork myself. Uh, and it's actually kind of that that sort of kicked off my relationship with other Catholic artists. I used to be part of this online um, kind of group art blog with a number of other people. And as, as I got involved with that, I became uh, acquainted with some of the artists who are actually represented here, like Matthew Alderman and Timothy Jones, and then later on, uh, Jim Janknet. So, um, it was a uh, kind of through through that sort of background that I that I became, you know, much more involved with and aware of uh, the various Catholic artists who are out there working right now.
1: Well, wow, I, I I was un, unfamiliar, um, and it, some of the some of these works are just stunning. Do you, do you have a favorite? Um, you
2: know, uh, I there's. Some of these, have, yeah, and there's, uh, I have to kind of go through a, no, a few of these. It's hard on the radio to talk about things that are visual, oh,
1: but not you know it, yeah.
2: Yeah, um, Michael O'Brien, who people probably know better as a writer, sure, which always surprises me when people say, "Oh, I didn't know he was an artist." It's like, oh, most of his novels have a painting by him on the cover. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, he has a, a painting of the Assumption. That first time I saw that back in. I guess the late nineties, I was just amazed at the color on that. It's, it's uh, the assumption of the Virgin and he's used, uses these really um, vibrant blues and reds and pinks and magentas in this image. And it's just, uh, the reproduction that came out of it was just amazing. And then another one that color wise, I just love is the, um, The Miracle of the Sun painting by Jim Janknet. And he's a contemporary artist. His style is very contemporary. Uh, At the same time, his subjects are very traditional. So he he shows the Miracle of the Sun with all the different apparitions that happened. And the colors on that one also are just, you know, wow. They're like fireworks exploding. Um, But of the other artists in here... uh, I really love the simplicity and uh, the kind of playfulness of Matthew Alderman's depiction of Blessed Solanus Casey. Uh, he's holding an ice cream cone in that image, and you have to read the book to find out why he's, why he's holding that. Um, and then another uh, recent, um, uh, I guess, martyr would be... Uh, Father Jacques Hamel, and there's a very powerful painting of him in here by Nielsen Carlin, and this is a French priest who was killed by terrorists uh, in hatred of the faith in 2016. His cause is currently, you know, going through the the procedures that you'd you'd go through for uh, beatification, but he's one of the people that uh, as soon as he died people started to call for him to be named a saint because it was so obvious that he'd been martyred uh, by people who are looking to kill uh, a Catholic priest. Um, but his his depiction he's Nielsen Carlin's one of these guys who who paints in a much more classical style. But his painting of father Jacques Hamel, he's he's holding the Eucharist in his hands. He's got red roses. He's got white roses, and then he has a knife at his throat. Um, and uh, And then behind him it, it, his last words. Uh, which were, you know, begone, Satan. But it's rendered in Latin,
1: Satan va. I saw that. Yeah, yeah. You, you you you're looking at that and you see the word Satan and you go, oh, what? How did that get in there?" And then you yeah. see you see the va on the other with the exclamation point on the other on the other side of his head. Um, yeah, and and you don't you don't at first, at least I didn't. I noticed the roses. the The knife looked almost like a collar uh, at first, you know, until you look closely. And of course, then you see the blood. Um, but it's it's profound. And of course, he's holding the Eucharist.
2: Yeah. And then there, there's, um, of course, uh, one of the paintings here. Uh, some of these paintings I've actually been able to see in person. One of which is Bernadette Carstensen's uh, painting, Mary Star of the Sea. Uh, which she did for Star of the Sea Parish in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Um, and that one is, is really beautiful. It's um, It shows, uh, and Mary has all of these wonderful titles, um, and so she's depicted there as the, as the Star of the Sea. Another one of her titles it comes up in, in Jim Janknet's other
1: painting, which shows Mary as the Ark of the Covenant. hmm now, I know every time uh I go with my family and we we come into a like a beach town maybe on the Oregon coast or I say I I I want to bet that uh we're going to find the catholic church here and it's going to be Mary Star of the Sea. <laughs> <laughs> and it frequently is. <laughs> and and in the mountains it's frequently Our Lady of the Snows.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. And wow. uh yeah, and then the, there's as far as other styles in here, I, I, one of the people who I, I just love his work and it, it, you can, by the way, in this book, all the pages are detachable. You can pull them out. They're eight by 10 size. It's a standard framing size and, uh, frame them to put up on your wall. But, um, one of the other people in here, Matthew Connor, he does these, these, uh, paintings that are sort of Western icon style, mm-hmm. uh, sort of influenced by Gothic as well as, um, you know, Renaissance style, uh illuminated manuscript style. And he has a wonderful uh, depiction of Padre Pio in here, as well as St. Thomas Aquinas. Um, but one other thing I, I was gonna say about uh, these artists is every one of them, I tried to include information about where you can find their website, where you can find them on social media. Most of these artists, um, you know, accept commissions, and many of them you can buy prints from them directly. So, uh, you know, this book here, which is you know, it's thirty dollars, it's, it's twenty nine ninety five, and you can get it at ignatius com. That's about what it normally costs to buy one print from a mm-hmm. lot of artists. But mm-hmm. uh, if you look through there and you you see somebody that you like, you know, go to their website, look up all their other work, and you know, think about maybe supporting them by buying some. Directly from them, or maybe even commissioning something if you have enough uh, cash set mm-hmm. aside. I mean, they, these artists in the past were have always been kind of supported by the church institutionally, but now more than ever, they're kind of supported by individuals. So right. um, the more that we can, as individuals, help out these Catholic artists,
1: the, the better. The uh, term Catholic uh, uh, starving artist is still relevant.
2: Right. <laughs> um yeah, it's 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 not often that you can actually I mean Timothy Jones he uh has two wonderful depictions of the Blessed Virgin Mary in here. Mm-hmm. He's actually an art teacher at one of the Chesterton schools if oh, you're wow. familiar with them.
1: Wow. Oh, uh, absolutely uh, we are. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I I think he's I think he was at the original one there in uh
1: in, in Minneapolis. Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Or, but uh he's a great i i actually own a, an original by him and he's a good friend of mine so um but his his work
1: is is also amazing yeah we actually have a, a chesterton chesterton schooler too uh, starting up here in the diocese of sacramento so
2: yeah i think one of my friends has his daughter going to the one that's um uh, there in sacramento
1: oh very good very good yeah those that's uh, those are uh, beautiful. Yeah, they mentioned, yeah, he teaches art history at the Chesterton Academy in the Twin Cities. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Wow. Yeah, and then you've also got um, Winnet Thompson Briggs in here. She did the, those beautiful twinned portraits of uh, Benedict and Scholastica who were twin saints, and she actually went and found siblings to pose for those portraits.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm I'm looking at it now. Yeah, yeah, um, it's just I'm, this stuff that it, it just blows me away. Like you say, I wish, I wish uh, we had to, we had a camera here and uh, could uh, uh, share it, share it all with our readers. But it is, it is really, really
2: uh,
1: beautiful stuff. Um,
2: yeah, if you go to our web, the website at Ignatius dot com and look up the Catholic Home Gallery, there is a limited uh, flip book, and you can flip through a few of the pages to look at them. Uh, and if you follow Ignatius uh, on social media, we've been kind of posting some images here and there. Uh, but yeah, they, they really, um, the, I was very, very happy when we got these in because the uh, printer, which is a printer up in Canada, they just did such a good job of capturing the colors on these. It was just, uh, you, you never know what, sometimes with printers, like is this gonna come out looking good? But
1: these just, these came out really nice. You're talking about the assumption and the magenta, you know, <laughs> and it is. It's, it's. It's. I'm looking at it right now; it's just jumping off the page at me.
2: Yeah, yeah, but yeah, the Catholic Home Gallery. It's got. Um, I'm hoping that eventually we uh, this will sell well enough. We can do further additions because, I mean, this is just scratching the surface of the Catholic artists that are who are out there working today.
1: Do Do most of these artists? do just religious art or do they do other stuff too?
2: Um, some do uh, other art. Some also are mostly doing sacred art. If you look at the work of, like, um, uh, I think Nielsen Carlin started out doing more secular art, but now he almost does almost exclusively religious art. Matthew Alderman, uh, who he did the black and white uh, uh, drawings that are in the first couple prints here, he's, uh, he actually does architecture primarily. Um, Mm. uh, but, and then Tim Jones, his blessed Virgin Mary's there. He's, he mostly does, um, he does a lot of still life work. So, uh, he, he's done a a number of those sorts of things, but yeah, I think with the other, a lot of the other ones here, they primarily stick to sacred art.
1: Wow. That's, and are the, are some of them working off of uh, something else? You know, I mean, in terms of um, when 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 you're, or is this strictly like when, when you're drawing the, the Blessed Mother? When you're drawing uh, Padre Pio, um, mm-hmm. um, are they are they looking at something else of Padre Pio, or
2: Aquinas well, I mean, I'm- or I'm assuming that, that, like with Matthew Connor, I'm, getting, I'm assuming with him he's working partly from a photograph of, of, of Padre Pio to uh-huh. get some facial likeness, but mm-hmm. then also coming up with a bit of the pose on his own. Right. Nielsen Carlin, uh, he sometimes, if you look at online, you can sometimes see some of his process work, and he does a lot of you know posing mannequins, wearing vestments, and other things like that so that he gets, a pose that You can paint from directly. Um, I know Gwyneth Thompson Briggs, who did the paintings of Benedict and Scholastica, she also prefers to work from a live model, so she will get people to dress in, in a costume hmm. uh, you know, in, with actual props and paint directly from them when she can. Wow. Um, so, yeah, and then some of these the people here, you know, when they're doing something that's a little more stylized, like the, the work that Jim Janknett does, uh, I think, for that sort of thing. He's he's mostly coming up with these images in his head and then also looking at past images of sacred art to draw from.
1: And, and are, I'm not sure if it's uh, explained. Are, are most of these American artists?
2: Yeah, these are all American artists uh, here other than Michael O'Brien.
1: Michael O'Brien, right, right.
2: Yeah, So, but the rest of the artists here are... Um, or from America. James, um, or Jim Janknet, he, uh, he's uh, somebody who's been a kind of a gallery artist for a long time and he entered the Catholic Church um, in the 2000s and so that's when he had kind of a turn to doing a lot of more sacred art, um, which I I find kind of fascinating because, you know, when, somebody who is has this sort of skill and they enter the church and then they instinctively, they want to put it at the service of, right. of the
1: faith that they've entered. So do does Ignatius, uh, do, do you employ any of these people for, for illustrations with other of your publications?
2: Well, um, Tim Jones, I've used a portrait of G.K. Chesterton that he, he did. He painted a portrait and I told him, you know, that's an, I love that portrait. Could I use it for a book cover? And, and so then we licensed that from him. And then I, I've had uh, Matthew Alderman work on illustrations for book covers, too, because he's uh, an expert in heraldry. So we had um, a couple of books that were written by uh, Kevin Starr, who used to oh, be the oh, we
1: state librarian. Yeah. We, had, we had Kevin on our program about two days before he died. And Yeah, that was sad. It was just so stunning to pick up the morning paper, and there it was. And I said, I was just talking to him uh, a day or two ago, and he was just so generous and so brilliant and um, uh, professorial uh, in in one way and fatherly in another way, you know, and just... Um, just a complete delight of, of a person, and, and and just absolutely brilliant, you know.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, slight tangent, I worked on the covers for his books that we did at Ignatius, and he told me he wanted to be involved in the cover design, and I, I hmm. kind of went, oh, brother, because you never <laughs> yeah. know. Yeah. With an author, Like sometimes they don't have the best instincts for what might look on a, on a cover, but right. he provided me with an excellent idea for the covers. He, his ideas were all very, very good. And the only thing that was missing was, he said he wanted to put in the heraldry of, the, of these early colonies. And I, I uh, looked around, I could not find any that matched artwork-wise. And that's when I reached out to Matthew Alderman, the um, artist who's included in here, and I asked him if he could do renditions of these, um, you know, her- the heraldry, of the early colonies and he said sure thing and he did and they came out beautiful and i know that uh kevin Starr was was very very happy with how those came out
1: yeah yeah he's just uh just a a, a great man who contri- loved the faith and uh contributed greatly to to this world yeah yeah well, John, it's such a joy to talk with you. I hope we can get you uh, back on the program sometime. If any any more works you want to send our way, we would uh, be delighted to talk about them. Thank you so much. Thanks, John. Take care. God bless. That's uh, okay. uh, John Herriot, who is uh, uh, with Ignatius Press. And you can get the, the title is The Catholic Home Gallery, 18 Works of Art, By contemporary Catholic artists. Some truly, truly stunning stuff in there and uh, really, really wonderful to look at. Um, We'll take a quick break. We'll be back with more on The Bishop's Hour right after this. This portion of The Bishop's Hour is brought to you by a grant from the St. Vincent de Paul Society. Drop by and shop at their thrift store, a beautiful, beautiful thrift store at 2275 Watt Avenue. Open Mondays through Saturdays from 10 to 8 and Sundays from 11 to 6. They also accept donations at the store, donations of furniture, appliances, clothing, books, everyday household items. Four seven two zero, or you can visit them at sixty five twenty Van Maren Lane in Citrus Heights. And we certainly thank uh, the Saint Vincent de Paul Society and Christ the King Passionist Retreat Center for their fine and long-standing support of the Bishop's Hour. Hi, I'm
2: John McGinnis, retired sheriff of Sacramento County, and you're listening to the Bishop's Hour with Bob Dunning.
1: Thank you, Sheriff McGinnis, uh, for. All you have done uh, for our, our great county of Sacramento. well, We are pleased to, to welcome in Kathleen Domingo, who is the executive director of the California Catholic Conference, representing all the bishops of the uh, uh, great state of uh, California. Kathleen, good day to you. Hi, nice to be with you, Jay Bob. Good to be with you. Uh, we'll be a little earlier in the day today <laughs> than than our yes. usual. Yes. <laughs> so appreciate you taking the time to be with us. Uh, where do sure. where do we start? What uh, what what is happening with the uh, with the conference?
0: Well, we are at the beginning of a new um, two year session with our brand new legislature. So. We have um, close to 40 new legislators in California this year, which is um, an absolute record. So lots of new folks in the Capitol, um, new faces, and um, new staff. Many of them come with, um, you know, brand-new folks who um, themselves are trying to learn the ropes. So that's a really interesting opportunity for us to go and meet with people and say hello, and it's really surprising how many um, Catholics there are in the Capitol, either members themselves or their staff members. And so that's been a really great, um, experience for us this mm-hmm. January is to spend that time getting to, um, to tell people about what we do and who we are. And, you know, for many, it's the first time they've really heard anything about the Catholic, uh, California Catholic conference. And, um, so it's a, it's a nice education and a nice way to, to get to know people.
1: Yeah, there. you know, th- th- some states more than others, uh, there are a lot of Catholics in elective, elected office. And then, and then, like, obviously in the Capitol, uh, there's what? There's a total of what? 120 elected. Well, counting the governor and other people. But just in the legislature, there's what? 80 assembly and 40 in the Senate, is that right? That's right. And mm-hmm. So you got 120 people, and there's probably what? Uh, a couple thousand that actually work in the Capitol?
0: It's hard to know, but I, you know, most have four or five staff members. Some of the new folks just have a couple of staff members, so they're still staffing (laughs) up. Um, But you know, it's it's really interesting when we go, and especially when we start talking about Catholic Charities and our Catholic schools, and to see how many people, um, whether they're Catholic or not, um, have interfaced with the Catholic Church in some way. And so many have really wonderful experiences, and they're just excited to share that. So many people have been telling us about their experience growing up in Catholic schools in different parts of the state or, um, you know, the opportunities that they have had to either benefit from Catholic Charities or be involved with the Catholic Charities activity in some way. And um, so it's really wonderful to have a, a very positive first experience when talking about the Church because we know that sometimes we do have to go into the Capitol and talk about some really difficult issues and put ourselves in opposition to... Um, you know, maybe the prevailing opinion of the legislature and certainly of the state. So it's really nice to have those initial, very positive meetings where we can say to people, "See, this is the, this is the beauty of the church. This is the true work of the mm-hmm. church. Are the things that you've experienced."
1: Yeah, and uh, boy, there's you know there's so many there's so many uh, wonderful things that the church does. I mean, I know there are there are positions that we take that are, I mean, they shouldn't be controversial, but. They're just the, the just the definition of the word. They're controversial when you've got X number of people against it and X number of people in favor of it makes it a controversial issue. But I mean, to, to me, you know, whether it's you know we're talking about life or or uh, feeding the poor or anything else, um, why should that be controversial? But in, in, indeed, it is. But there's so many good works the church does, and I look at this society and go, what What if the church wasn't here? You know, we we oh, there'd be so many uh, uh, holes in the safety net; uh, they wouldn't know not how, how to fix them all.
0: Well, absolutely, and and that, that's also you know something that we really appreciate doing is being able to talk about um, the 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 works of mercy that we do, you know, and and these different calls that we fulfill—a Jesus call—to serve the poor and to take care of widows and orphans and to heal the sick and. Um, it really does come straight from the gospel call that he gave us. This isn't something that's extra to our faith, but it is actually very integral to who we are um, as people of faith and as Christians. And so it's, it's in that context, it's really lovely to go to the Capitol. And even if it's a controversial issue, even if we do have to put ourselves in opposition, it's still a wonderful opportunity to evangelize and to show a continuity and a consistency of our message to say, exactly for the same reason that we love God and love neighbor, and our love of neighbor encourages and impels us to work on behalf of the poor and the vulnerable in our society. Also, that same call to love God and love neighbor impels us to work on behalf of the unborn Mm -hmm. and the elderly and these other groups that um, maybe are seen as less important or less critical, and their lives are, um, you know, put in danger. So it's, it's a nice, continuity that we have and we can point back to this this call comes straight from the gospel we're not making it up <laughs> we're not here today just you know kind of uh, willy-nilly to talk about a particular bill or a particular piece of legislation we're here because our faith impels us to be in this space
1: is there is there generally acceptance of the good our church does or do, do you run into legislators uh without i don't name or party or anything to do with it but that that have a hostility towards the church
0: well so it's a a yes and (laughs) um there is general consensus i would say even sometimes begrudging consensus um that the church on the whole is a good uh, or it does good work i Uh I uh think where it stops is is there consensus that the church is good for society i think that's a separate question to be honest with you and i do think that there are um a number of people and and honestly i think it's growing tensions in our in our culture right it's becoming more and more apparent that that there is open hostility to people of faith and also to structures of faith so the church and um and that's you know not not we're not immune to that in california by any means so i think there are people um even in our legislature who can who can hold both positions at the same time who can be in fact openly hostile and critical of the church as a structure, but also admit that it's the very same church that does a lot of good in the world
1: so and, and you frequently will support i mean look, there's no question I guess virtually every legislature in the country these days is divided um, pretty deeply divided but you are you were able to not sponsor but but be uh, advocate for um, certain bills that Democrats are pushing, uh, and certain bills that the Republicans are pushing.
0: Absolutely, and and um, very often, in fact, we find ourselves, um, you know, working with a particular legislator, and we might oppose three of their bills and support two of them. Mm-hmm. So it really is. We try very hard to keep objectivity around what is at. Take in this particular piece of legislation, will it hurt or will it harm, or is it neutral? I mean, there are a lot of bills we don't, you know, we don't right. have to have our voice on. Um, and so, rather than you know look at a, a legislator, for example, and say that's a bad legislator and that's a good legislator, that's not that's not how we approach things because um, we're human <laughs> and because there's grace and mercy and because sometimes people. Um, choose, you know, something that we oppose and sometimes they choose something that would be very, very beneficial um, to, to the people of California. And so we, we really try to use all of those moments as opportunities for evangelization. So again, we might go and have a meeting and say, you know, while you understand that we oppose these other three bills that you're working on, we support this one and let's tell you why. And then sometimes if they let us, we have a little opportunity to educate um, a, about why it's the same faith and the same understanding of human dignity and the same understanding of the common good that, again, and you know, tells us we we support this bill, but we also oppose these others. It's, it's a consistent teaching. It's a consistent understanding of the human person and what the human person needs and what is, is common and good for people. And so um, every once in a while we get to do that, and that's what's really wonderful is to, you know, just have those conversations and even if we're not changing someone's heart or mind at that particular moment, maybe we're planting a seed.
1: So it seems to me, uh, so many of uh, the people who lobby the legislature are well, many of them are, are going to be one-issue people. Number <laughs> number one, uh, but th- that they aren't as much uh, on both sides of of the aisle in terms of acceptance. I would think.
0: I think you're absolutely right about that. Many people will work um, specifically on one side or another, or they'll be um, single issue. You're right. The single yeah. issue, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So we have <laughs> we have the, the challenge and the blessing of not <laughs> being single issue, right, which means um, we we have to really understand so many topics. And so, you know, this year some of those topics include things like um, like the you know, housing bill. There are so many bills that are trying um, to fix the housing situation in California. And um, there are so many bills that are trying to improve mental health in our state. Mm-hmm. Um, there are so many bills that are trying to you know, attack the, the fentanyl crisis. And so there are um, a lot of things that are sort of outside. You might say, well, what does the bishop or you know, what does this church have to say about those things? Well, actually a lot because um, these are really very um, current issues that so many people and so many families in a particular way are facing, right, around housing, around, you know, the fear that their their child might um, become victim to a fentanyl um, overdose and, and things like that. So there really is a moment where we, we have to end up learning a lot about a lot of topics we thought maybe we would never even have to know anything about. So it is it is very interesting work. It keeps us on our toes. and. Um, again, the bishops don't weigh in on everything. We get a lot of requests. So the bishops going to speak about, you know, X, Y, Z. And we say, well, maybe they don't have to say anything about school buses or mm-hmm. you know, potholes in the road or things like that. <laughs> might be an interest to you, but it might not be for them. Exactly. But anytime, you know, we're really talking about, especially our most vulnerable Californians, and how we can protect them and defend them and really help them to have better lives. Um, that's really where the bishop's heart is in, you know, in this conversation
1: are there are there bipartisan initiatives anymore? I mean, we're you know there
0: are shockingly, there are a few <laughs> yes, um, and in fact, this year we're seeing some bipartisan um, issues around in, in housing um, around uh-huh. some gun control issues around things like that. And so you know, we do I think um in a particular way when there is a crisis you know we've seen unfortunately um back to back you know really devastating mass shootings in california that that of course really pulled on um, our catholic community community of faith but also our legislators um and so because of that you know i think they're really coming together this year and they're saying let's come together and let's really solve something and let's really put our other divisions aside for now And, and they're same thing around housing a lot of A lot of folks are coming together and saying, let's really sit down and solve this. We don't have to have competing bills, Um, though there are some, you know, but let's maybe let's let's all rally around one solution and and really try our best. And that's heartening to see that happen.
1: Yeah, the the housing one is, boy, uh, that's just just a tough one to solve.
0: It's so multifaceted and, you know, um, there's there's a layer of how do we help the homeless right now? So how do we help, you know, sort of that immediate situation? How do we help the chronically homeless versus how do we help um, people who have maybe just fallen into homelessness? Mm-hmm. How do we help homeless veterans? How do we help the homeless elderly? How do we help homeless families? So even just that piece is so difficult, right? And then we talk about, well, how do we um, how do we have sustainable housing for people so once they're in housing how do we make sure that they don't fall out of being housed and fall into homelessness and that's another whole piece of the puzzle and then we talk about um, sort of long term you know how do we just make sure that there's affordable housing so that families can actually um, rent and have you know stability in a home for their family or yeah. able to purchase a home in California so there are so many different layers, and um, and most of those decisions, oddly enough, take place at the local level. So you have cities and counties weighing in with the state, and um, the level of bureaucracy. <laughs> I don't think anyone would be surprised to hear is just um, staggering sometimes. Um, but amidst all of that, it, you know, even with all of that, and our own human failing, and, and you know, all of the the. Um, conversations that have taken place that have gone nowhere um, we are still making some progress and there is a lot of hope and and in a particular way this year you know our churches have there's a there's a bill that we're working on that would really allow um, re, um religious owned entities and properties to be able to step forward and say you know what we would like to build affordable housing mm. and we can do that that's something that we can do and so we're really um you know working on some of these opportunities where we can even be involved and say you know, we're going to raise our hand and we're going to show um, and exemplify really good behavior to our neighbors and say we have some space that we can welcome people.
1: Wow, that would be great. Yes, it would be. <laughs> you know, in in a state like California, I know it's true in a lot of states, but the, you know, with our what the minimum wage is like fifteen fifty now, and and um, that goes that goes nowhere in in san francisco and and yet if you were uh living in alturas it would go a long ways you know and it's 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 hard i would think in a state like this when you're dealing with with things like uh housing and things like that the one size fits all uh be very difficult correct and i
0: think that's why so many of those decisions are left to the local municipalities um, for that very reason. You're absolutely correct. The Central Valley is very different than the Bay Area. That is very different than downtown L.A. And so um, we really do, you know, lean on um, local governments and and what they can do, and our Catholic charities are just wonderfully working with their local governments all the time, um, as are so many of our dioceses, to kind of help that all roll out at that local level um, to make sure that, you know, the funding and the different – the, the different laws that come down from the state are actually having an effect at the local
1: level. So, we're, when when we turn the the calendar, we're going to be in a yet another. It just seems like it comes quickly uh, a, a presidential election year. Does that affect um, the 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 way that even a, a California legislature the kinds of kinds of bills that come up? Uh, uh, et cetera. Does that affect your your work when, when we're in the well, middle of well, a presidential of election?
0: <laughs> Politicians, um, you know, they call them political animals for a yeah. reason, right? Yeah. Politicians, <laughs> um, they want to be noticed. They want to be noticed by, you know, leaders in their parties. And so um, certainly all of those things will have an effect, yes. And there's a lot of posturing that happens, and there's a lot of... Um, you know, maybe some higher profile bills get pushed forward mm-hmm. so that we can show a track record and effectiveness and things like that. So yes, for sure, um, all of that does, um, does have an impact on what is presented at the Capitol and how we interface um, with our legislators. It also um, has a big effect on um, how Catholics start to think of their involvement in politics, because we know that um, people don't often think about how their faith impacts their activity in politics, and and that's something that, you know, since um, Rare Room and, you know, the Catholic social teaching, we've been really trying to help um, people of faith to have a greater understanding of. And so um, dioceses and parishes, and, and even, you know, at the Catholic Conference, we spend a lot of time trying to um, create opportunities for um, our Catholic community to learn about their role in um In in politics, their role in voting, their role in in, um, forming their own consciences so that they can actively participate in a faithful way, what that means, how do we discern, you know, at the end of the day, we can talk about Catholic social teaching and we can talk about, you know, our values around human dignity and the common good and and preferential option for the poor and, and, you know, family and responsibility and solidarity and all these wonderful things. Um, but then you're faced with a ballot in front of you and you say, okay, well, how do I take those, you know, those beautiful, wonderful ideas and truths and then check this guy or this guy? (laughs) I don't know. And so, um, you know, so we, we do spend a lot of time really working through opportunities and tools and, and things to help, um, to help bishops and to help, um, pastors and to help lay leaders and, you know, anyone um, to have those conversations and to really educate, because it is difficult. It's difficult to be a Catholic in America, where our two prominent parties are neither fulfill, you know, our call to to be truly faithful Catholics, according to Catholic social teaching. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes you just want to close your eyes to the whole thing and say, I don't want to vote for anybody. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and that's not helpful either. And so um, it does—it does kind of um, give us an ad, added layer of interest, so to speak, to um, to the work that we do every day.
1: So, do you get together with other uh, leaders of Catholic conferences in other states and uh, <laughs> commiserate, put your head on each other's shoulders now and then?
0: <laughs> we do. We do twice a year. We get together, and it's so interesting to hear about other states and what's yeah. happening in other states and you know unfortunately i would say um california does tend to be the leader in some very very progressive laws and other states were looking to us last year you know we had almost 20 different bills that passed to expand abortion access expand abortion funding expand abortion protection in california and so many other states uh, were really cringing over that saying oh gosh we know it's coming for us next you mm-hmm. know and so um so it really is interesting to hear um, other states, you might be interested to know, don't have full-time legislators. Some states, legislators right. only meet for three months every other year. Yeah, exactly. Think, oh my <laughs> Our legislators are here all the time. Yeah, they, so, they go um, out and
1: have real jobs. <laughs> they do. Yeah. They
0: do. So, yes, California is really unique in that sense. Um, and But it is nice. It is nice to hear about, um, you know, what else is, is going on in other states. And sometimes we get really great... Suggestions of um, what other states are able to pass, um, specifically around um, assistance for pregnant moms, assistance for families. Um, there are states in, in the United States where the states actually provide a lot of funding for. Um, crisis pregnancy centers and mm-hmm. pregnancy mm-hmm. resource centers and that's just wonderful to see It doesn't happen in California but it's wonderful to see um, other states that are able to do some other things that we can't accomplish here
1: yeah you know it, it, it it's interesting because it uh, you look at the the life centers and I, you know I'll have that discussion with people that I know are on maybe on the other side of the issue and and say can you just explain to me the downside? to an organization providing two years' worth of free diapers and formula. what What's the downside to that? Why, why would you be against that?
0: Yeah, what, it is really difficult to sort of wrap our heads around why there is such strong opposition to um, our pro-life pregnancy centers and clinics, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> There is, there is very, very strong opposition. And even this year in California, we have a couple of bills that are, that are we're still trying to work our way through. But, you know, it seemed like they're kind of trying to minimize the impact and the effect of the pregnancy centers in California. Mm-hmm. And I, I mm-hmm. think that that's really um, unfortunate because the truth is that in California, we have so many wonderful things also. And we have so many legislators who really want what's best for families and um, are passing wonderful bills to improve the social safety net in California for pregnant and parenting women, for young sure. families, for children. Um, and, and so it doesn't make a lot of sense um, if they do that and then, you know, at the same time say, but we don't want pregnancy centers because that's what pregnancy centers do. They're, they're really there specifically for moms who either feel that abortion is their only choice because that's, that's all they know, or don't want abortion at all, but just need help navigating the process. Um, and so, again, we do have you know wonderful resources in California, but it's hard to navigate. And so, a lot of what pregnancy centers do is just help women say, you know, you need to you need to um, have a pregnancy test to confirm your pregnancy, and so that you can start getting some of these benefits, and so you can start getting you know medical and WIC and and calFresh and all these wonderful benefits and and housing if you needed and and like you said formula and diapers if you needed and you know maternity but but also some case management and some parenting classes and just accompaniment along the way maybe you know a lot of women don't have anyone in their lives who are supportive of their their decisions to to be pregnant and to have their child and. Um, that really is, you know, the wonderful benefit that, um, especially to some of the most vulnerable populations, to the really rural places in California, and, and also to our inner city populations, a lot of whom are um, immigrant women who maybe don't have uh, families nearby, or, or just women who, again, don't have anyone in their lives telling them they can do it, and that they support their choice, yeah. and that's really the beauty of pregnancy centers.
1: Yeah you hear, you hear that term pro choice and and y- y- you say well if you're these people are offering uh, one of the choices they're they're helping facilitate the people that want to make the choice to to uh, have a baby you know if you're pro choice you should be in favor of the work they're doing um they they really aren't <laughs> twisting people's arms and tying them down and <laughs> not letting you know i mean it's just uh, I thought uh, a, a few months ago, Melinda Hendenberger from The Bee, uh had a piece about, uh, I guess, Sacramento Life Center. And I thought she was very fair um, in, uh, I don't know if you saw it or not, but it was, yes. a, yeah, yes. I, th- I thought was, was she, was, she was, she mm-hmm. was very fair about uh, saying, hey, these people are providing a service, you know, and, and they're providing a service really that the state isn't providing. And um, my goodness, you know, um it was refreshing to see
0: yes no i agree and and i was really pleased with that also um so for your listeners if you haven't read it you can search um you know pregnant crisis pregnancy center is perhaps uh, a sacramento b article and you'll mm-hmm. find it's just really a lovely description of um not only the services that are provided but also the people who work for, exactly. you know pregnancy centers up and down the state just tend to be People who you know they're, a lot of them are volunteers if they are getting paid it's not a lot right <laughs> but who have dedicated their lives just because they care about women and children and families and and you know you, you can't find fault with that yeah
1: so any any specific issues you're working on now that I haven't uh, we haven't touched on
0: Really' we're, uh, we're still in the midst of it um, just today there were you know another 250 bills and and the legislature <laughs> has until Friday. Um, or to the end of the week to um, to put all of the bills in writing that they anticipate um, t- that they want to have this year, and so so we'll see. By the end of this week, we'll see probably about twenty five hundred or so bills that have come in from since the beginning of January, and then and some of these are just um, what we call spot bills. So they'll say, you know, I intend to write a bill around housing, um, but what I don't know what it is yet. <laughs> so We yeah. have another month to kind of fill that in. So we're still looking um, at the whole universe of bills, and you know, determining what what our priorities are going to be. I mean, as I said, there you know there are some um, some bills that are that are com- kind of trying to, uh, I don't know, um, stifle maybe the effects of the pregnancy centers. We'll definitely be you know working on those. Um, there are some more abortion expansion bills this year. It doesn't seem like we can possibly do any more, but there are a few. Um, and then, you know, some really great bills around, um, again, housing and mental health and, and um, really keeping guns out of the hands of people that should not have them and, mm-hmm. and, you know, protecting our communities and things like that. So we'll be looking at all of those things. And um, and it, sometimes people only hear about the bills we oppose, but the truth is that we support so many also, and it's just wonderful um, to have an opportunity to to tell a legislator this is a great bill, and we really see that it's going to help so many people in California. Yeah, that's
1: that's that's good to hear. I bet that's very refreshing when that happens.
0: It is. It's lovely.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, is uh, Kathleen always a joy to talk with you? Thanks for for giving us so much time, and uh, thanks for all the great work you and your uh, your staff do. You've you've hired a, a new person or two, haven't you?
0: We have a wonderful team. Yes, we have um, a new education director, Samara Palco, right. who was um, the principal at St. Roberts Elementary here mm-hmm. in Sacramento, and um, she's just wonderful. She's jumping in and learning all about uh, school governance in California, and um, and we're really excited to have her. Um, her background is really in um, equitable services, such just mm-hmm. making sure that kids in our Catholic schools are receiving a lot of the good services that California provides to kids in our public schools. Um, and then also just making sure that, you know, education across the board, because we know over 90 percent of our Catholic kids in California attend public schools. So just right. making sure that our our schools are the best they can possibly be um, so that kids can really thrive and, and do their best. So, yeah, she's, she's a wonderful addition to
1: our team. And we'll have to get her on the program soon. Well, again, thank you and uh, blessings to everybody you're working with there and your family. And uh, we will hope to talk again soon. Thanks so much, Bob. Thanks, Kathleen. That's uh, Kathleen Domingo, who's the uh, executive director of the California Catholic Conference, which represents all the uh, the bishops uh, and all the dioceses here in the uh, in the uh, entire state of California. Well, Voucare, who are you called to be? Young Adult Discernment Retreat will take place on Saturday. It's just a circle this date. Saturday, April 1, uh, from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. here at the Pastoral Center in uh, downtown Sacramento. It includes lunch. And uh, if you have questions, you can uh, contact the Diocese of Sacramento, the Office of Vacations, 916-733-0258, or email Marisella Smith at smith at s c d. Dot .org and it's for for any young adults and uh uh really uh people putting it together uh just to to you know from uh, obviously uh vocations to uh to religious life but also um vocations to the married life and uh uh just vocations in in general also um um the uh, lay formation for 2023 2024. This is from Deacon Kevin Staskow, Director of the Office of uh, Family and Faith Formation. Uh, uh, um, A a workshop will be held, a live workshop, on Friday, March the 10th from 1 to 2 p.m. If you have any questions for this, uh, contact Laura Lynn Solano. Laura Lynn is at 916 733. 0153 or L Solano S O L A N O L Solano L S O L A N O at S C D dot org uh, at catechetical foundations. The Diocese of Sacramento seeks to offer constant, ongoing opportunities to grow our wisdom and knowledge. In addition to formation opportunities from the diocese. We've also partnered with other Catholic institutions that provide courses, training, and workshops. Currently, we have a partnership with Notre Dame McGrath Institute, Franciscan Catechetical Institute, and the uh, Augustine's Formed Program. That's F-O-R-M-E-D. These courses can be applied to basic certification renewal. Uh, You can learn more uh, on ongoing uh, formation at Uh, scd.org backslash catechetical foundations. Uh, The uh, focus on cultural diversity uh, is grounded on the urgent need to grow in knowledge and develop appropriate attitudes and skills for the purpose of carrying out the church's mission to evangelize. One cannot preach, teach, or form persons in the Catholic faith adequately without attending to the ways in which Catholic faith and identity become embodied in culture. Proficiency in matters of culture. This is from the USCCB. Proficiency in the matters of culture and intercultural relations is an essential feature of the ongoing process of conversion by which the gospel becomes life for people. So uh, a lot of this is being offered. Uh, again, uh, go to uh, scd.org backslash catechetical foundations or contact. Laura Lynn Solano, Assistant Director for Lay Formation of the Office of uh, Family and Faith Formation. She's at 916-733-0153 or lsolano at scd.org. Among the uh, series is specializations at marriage and family life. uh, We offered from March through September of 2023 and March through September of 2024, Catechesis, uh, May through October; Liturgy, September through April; Christian Initiation (RCIA), July through December; Youth and Young Adult, April through July; Communication and Evangelization, uh, in May; and Social Concerns and Respect Life uh, is is to to be uh, to be announced later. So a lot of just really really uh, great. Uh, great uh, things going on there. Also uh, the uh, gospel music program with presented music by the Voices of Praise Choir of Good Shepherd Catholic Church uh, uh, Holy Mass uh, gos- well, Gospel Mass at 5 p.m. Saturday February 25, 3.30 to 4.30 p.m. at Good Shepherd in Elk Grove 9539 Racket Court will be followed by uh, the Gospel Mass at 5 p.m. For more information, contact uh, 9, 916-684-5722 or 916-896-1005. Again, this is Saturday, February 25, the uh, uh, Voices of Praise uh, Choir from Good Shepherd Catholic Church from 3.30 to 4.30 in the afternoon and the Gospel Holy Mass to follow at 5 p.m., February 25, Saturday at uh, El- Good Shepherd Catholic Church on Racket Court in Elk Grove. That's going to do it for us for today. Thanks for listening. God bless everyone. We'll talk to you again soon. This portion of the Bishop's Hour is brought to you by a grant from the Mercy Foundation, enriching lives in the Sacramento region through Sisters of Mercy Ministries in health care, education, housing, and the care for the poor and elderly. For the Mercy Foundation, philanthropy is one of the most powerful expressions of compassion and love. Just as many people in our community need a hand, And what a wonderful treasure Easter's Catholic Books and Gifts has been for all of us here in the diocese as they uh, uh, transition uh, into uh, uh, new ownership and management. Uh, They continue to offer wonderful workshops, wonderful uh, uh, resources for the Catholic community throughout the Diocese of Sacramento. Not only does Easter's provide a wide array of Catholic books, both current releases and longtime classics, but they also sponsor a number of valuable workshops and lectures throughout the year. They're, They're located at 6916 Sunrise Boulevard in Citrus Heights. Give them a call, 916-338-7272. We also receive generous underwriting support by Crumley & Associates, a private wealth advisory practice Four six zero zero, And we uh, are, are certainly uh, appreciative of the uh, fine and uh, long-standing support of the Mercy Foundation, of Easter's Catholic Books and Gifts, and of Crumley and Associates. <laughs>
2: I it.